Hi there, and welcome to the third installment of the Ember Island Critics Podcast. Thank you so much for clicking. I hope you'll enjoy the next two hours you spend with me and my friends. In today's episode, we discuss the warrior, inventor, and shopaholic, Sokka. A quick disclaimer before we start, opinions ahead, as well as headcanons and theories, and of course, spoilers, among an array of other things that you may not agree with, but are fortunately not facts you must accept. If anything said grows to be too much, I give you full permission to close this podcast and act as though it never existed. Whether you agree or disagree, any frustration you experience should not be taken out on me or my collaborators. We are human just the same as you are. We gather to discuss something we love dearly, but not without new lenses of criticism we've developed since we were younger. With that, I welcome you to listen in on the Ember Island Critics. Welcome to episode three, three of the Ember Island Critics podcast. I am your host, Yanni, she, her, or they, them, and I will pass it on to Kaylee. Hello, um, I'm Kaylee, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm going to pass it on to Rachel. Hi, I'm Rachel. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And I will pass it to Zach. Hello, I'm Zach. He, him. I will pass it to Roxy. Hi, I'm Roxy. She, her, hers. And I will pass it to Carolina. Hi, I'm Carolina. And my pronouns are she, her, hers. And I'll pass it back to Yanni. Ayo! So welcome to episode three, where we will be discussing our third member of the gang, or like the third member of the gang, or the first of our original gang, I suppose, because this is the first of our like main three that we'll be getting to Sokka. The strategist, it's just your chin, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sokka, our strategist, uh, de facto leader, might I say best boy in some situations? We'll find out. Um, but we will start this off as we did with our other characters episodes with first impressions because when I was little, I think I did the thing that I do with like people who don't interest me where I was just like, oh boy, don't like listening to him. Not going to pay attention to him because it it took me until rewatching it when I was in like, I want to say high school until I was like, oh man, Sokka's a pretty good character, but like the sexism and other nonsense that he had from jump really turned me off as a younger child so i was like "Mm, not interested in listening to him yeah i had a very similar first impression of Sokka, especially because my brother loved him like we watched the show together as little kids and my brother loved Sokka so much and i was like anything my brother likes i have to hate so (laughs) i was not a Sokka fan for the longest time and then more recently not more recently probably when i was in like like late middle school or early high school when my family was rewatching the series together, I was like, okay, Sokka's like actually kind of cool. Like I can vibe with him sometimes. There are times where I'm like, oh, baby boy, why don't Absolutely we- Absolutely not. Why don't we rethink that and maybe reevaluate our life choices there? But you know, character growth, improvement, he has it. So yeah. I too had a similar <laughs> first impression, but I did not watch it as a kid, so I watched it this year for the first time. And I was, last year, I was like, "Oh my God, you're right!" Oh, Happy New Year! Well, within <laughs> the within a year, yeah. <laughs> um, I certainly I watched it and I was like, "Okay, I don't really vibe with this guy," and the sexism definitely threw me off. So like. And he, but he was funny, and then also, but like any of the misfortune that happened to him for comedic effect, I would be like, ha. 
that's what misogyny gets you yeah (laughs) but now now i love Sokka. i think i love everybody in the gang but i love Sokka too yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i would say like watching it as well as last year for the first time i would say that like i was like wow he's an idiot just because of like the things he'd say had like no foundation i would say like there was like no like I didn't believe it. He wasn't convincing enough. Like when he would say some of those like sexist things, I was like, I feel like you're repeating something you overheard or something that you're supposed to believe, but I don't think you actually believe it, which is why I was like, so when are we going to shake this like foundation and actually set him up to be the good guy that he's supposed to be? Because this Mm -hmm. is like, (laughs) I can see it. Like you're not this. So let's get there. I don't know. I really, I thought he was funny when we first like introduced him, but I was like, yeah. His foundation's not solid. Where are they going to go with him? And I hope they go in the right direction with him. Yeah, I kind of thought along a similar vein because I also watched it as like an adult. (laughs) I was like, we were introduced to him and I was like, okay, yeah, this is the comic relief character, like whatever. This is annoying that they're using misogyny to make it funny, but like whatever, it's fine. Um, But then like, I think I started appreciating him like, like pretty soon after like that whole like you know he got the sexism beaten out of him kind of thing because like they started calling him like a genius and they were like wow Saki and I was so confused until I thought about it and I was like wait he's like kind of great like I don't know so like I feel like that happened like pretty fast for me like I started liking him like pretty soon into like the first season so yeah for me for first impressions the sexism as a kid just kind of went over my head I just didn't really I just thought he was just like some teenage boy and it was just him and his sister bickering until it was like the Kiyoshi episode where it was very made explicit like a plot point that he was being sexist but I really like Sokka and his role I like that he can sort of be the comic relief but at the same time he has depth to him and that he's and he's like a value um part of the team and he's like the strategist and stuff like that yeah I really like Sokka absolutely as a, to your point, Roxy, of like it not being a realistic foundation, I was definitely thinking a lot about too, um, as I've been kind of thinking more deeply into Sokka the last couple years, because his sexism doesn't really seem to have a root. Like as we go on to meet Hakoda and Bato, um, that like they don't treat Katara differently necessarily. And even when Bato is talking about the uh, ice dodging tradition, he doesn't say exclusively young boys in the Southern Water Tribe. He says young people. Like that is a rite of passage. It sounds like all young Water Tribe youth go through. And they don't explore the gender dynamics of the Southern Water Tribe to the fullest that they could because it wasn't so immediately relevant in not spending as much time in the Southern Water Tribe. But it... Katara, like to see that Hakoda and Bato don't treat Katara differently leads me to believe that Sokka fell back on this, on these sexist ideals. Like that's something he manifested by himself. Um, and I, what did I think of? That it was, it was created as a consequence of like the insecurity he felt with not being able to go to war with his father because like that was that was the point where it's like I can finally step up and do something and make up for like what I wasn't there for when we lost our mom and his dad just said he wasn't allowed to so that's like the big blow to his sense of manhood that he's kind of had since he was young and it's turned into this and it's taken out primarily on Katara 
and like the first time he goes about directing it towards someone other than Katara who doesn't have to take it he gets his ass handed to him because like I sincerely doubt he is treating the other grown women or grand grand in the water tribe the way he treats Katara because I always chalked it up to like like when I was first watching the the series and stuff I was like oh he's jealous of Katara because he can't bend like that was like my whole thing because it's like yeah, like, it doesn't make sense because, like, his dad and, like, the other men in the tribe don't seem to, like, persecute, like, women, you know what I mean? But I always thought, like, oh, he's just, like, when I was, like, annoyed with him for, like, making all these comments, I was, like, hey, you're not a bender, like, die mad about it, like, just let's, let's move on, like, that's all I, that's all I thought, like, I didn't ever, I don't think I ever considered that it would be, like, for any, that's just, like, my personal, and consider it be anything else. I think there might be somewhat of a basis in the culture of the Southern Water Tribe in that they're different uh, gender roles because it is all the men of the tribe who leave to fight and a lot of Sokka's sexism comes from men are the ones who fight and protect. Right. And so I think the, the, uh, the, I don't think it's anyone being like men are superior to women, but I think it got instilled in him this like responsibility that men are the ones who fight and women are the ones who take care of the family and everything. I think that has a basis in the culture, but it might've manifested into something more since there wasn't really anyone to monitor it for him because mm -hmm. he kind of did have to go and just, and try and train the other boys of the village. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't necessarily think that the Southern water tribe doesn't have any sexist this in the culture um like the northern water tribe was made very explicit that they have a bunch of sexism and that they had that women couldn't be trained to fight using water bending and also that they had arranged marriages and it was sort of made a point that these aren't the same in the southern water tribe that the northern water tribe was kind of more sexist but i wouldn't say that like sexism and gender roles completely have disappeared in the southern water tribe absolutely not like that's not yeah the like as a consequence of all the waterbenders being taken away over the past over the last decades um it's come to be that uh what is it they're surviving in a way where being sexist is not beneficial like to right. restrict gender roles in that way just make limits your resources and makes it harder to survive so while it's not completely like an ungendered society where everybody does what's needed it is considerably less so, which is just a consequence of how they needed to survive. Um, yeah, that's Sokka. I have other thoughts on Sokka that I forgot, but perhaps they'll come up because this is just the beginning of the conversation. Uh, best moment. Best moment, Sokka opinions. The, the library. Oh when, yeah! I don't know. That's not really a moment. But just like the whole my library plot, where he's like, I like that all of them just want to have fun, but Sokka's like the one that like is like, we're in a war. I I don't. I'm gonna use. I'm going to be the person to use my free time to get a strategic advantage because this is what I think is important. Yeah, I think but my best Sokka moment is when he's learning how to use a sword, and. Training for, yeah, training with Pian Dao. Because at the beginning of that episode, he's, it's like he's trying to put on this persona almost where he, 
like obviously it's it's for his safety because he doesn't want to like make it obvious that he's not from the fire nation but also like through the episode he's more and more himself he learns how to use a new weapon which is like super cool and then he takes all of that and makes his own weapon like makes his own sword and it's so I think that's just a good episode for Sokka. For one, it's it's focused on Sokka. So like, we're gonna get a good Sokka moment, at least a few in an episode about Sokka. But two, it's just like, I really like the growth that we see through the episode, but also it just feels very in character the whole time. Yeah. I was also gonna say that episode, I think that's one of his best episodes, definitely. Um, another moment for me, I like all the moments where he gets to show how smart he is. Like mm-hmm. um, when he helps, uh, what is <laughs> all the, every word just like left my brain. <laughs> when he helps, is it Tio's father? Yeah, uh, the yeah. Uh, mechanist. Yeah, he helps him and to come up with stuff. And I, I really love the moments where they show how smart he is because I feel like a lot of people like to call him dumb all the time because he's he's, kind of fell back on as the comic relief but kid is brilliant yeah yeah he's really Mm. smart and even like early as episode because i'm re-watching the show right now early as episode i want to say uh six or eight or something it's the it's the um the winter solstice part two when they go to um they try they go into the fire nation because he needs to talk to avatar roku and when they're trying to figure out how to open the door and he's he it didn't work but it was a really smart idea of like the the chain action of these bombs to try and open the door because you need five benders at a time to do it it didn't work but it was smart and then it ended up being useful yeah to get them in any way so yeah i would also say that like Sokka's best moment is definitely the episode where he learns to master the sword because he finally comes to grip with like his shortcomings and says let me use it to my advantage because he is very smart like what would happen if all of his wit was also built into like weaponry like what if he was able to show it off that could actually strike someone down besides needing to get all these other materials if he exactly and that's like the the like climax of that episode is executed so beautifully because it like in his fight with Pian Dao he has not bested him in like swordsmanship because he's had like three days to learn it but it's all of the ways that he's figured out how to use his terrain to his advantage and like just like kind of sizing up your opponent and doing your best against them with what you have available to you and it, it's just exhibiting his brilliance in the most spectacular way yeah, that also, episode like like what a sophisticated writing to not yeah. have because i feel like the easy way out is like yeah he learned it in three days and he's fighting a master but of course he would beat him because he's a protagonist and this is his coming of age moment or whatever but that they had the sophistication to not do that and to be logical about like this is what he actually learned here was really great mm-hmm. yeah oh, so good i think the thing that's ringing through my head right now is in sozin's comic when he goes airship slice and he like comes up with the idea to just smash all the airships together to take out the fleet which is a brilliant plan but like the way that he says it like that like that's what i love about Sokka that he doesn't stop being Sokka when he's being smart <laughs> one other favorite moment is when they're facing sparky sparky boom man <laughs> And and he's like shooting at them and they're behind a pillar and he like triangulates where he is. Yeah. 
projectile, and then he throws the boomerang and hits him, like, square in the forehead. Like, <laughs> who taught him trigonometry? <laughs> like, little Kaylee was like, this guy's just, like, a stupid, like, fu like funny guy when I was watching the show, and I got older, and I realized, I mean, like, I knew he was smart when I was little, but I was like, eh, he's just, like, he's there for, like, being funny. And then I got older, and I was like, wow, he's literally so intelligent and so clever <laughs> like the fact that he made I know that like okay this is another like sort of a best moment it's just like a favorite moment I guess is when it's the day of the black sun invasion planning and he's standing there and he flubs it like he completely like panics and starts like he can't really explain it well I actually really Stage like that song yeah, I really like that moment because it's very human and it's very much like, like we know Sokka's smart. We know that he planned this all out and he like, he, he knows how to do battle strategy, but he also knows how to do it in like a way that's very intelligent. But the fact that he couldn't present it is very like, it's a very human thing. It's a relatable thing for a lot of people. And I really enjoyed that Sokka moment, even though it wasn't like him being like amazing and like being perfect at everything, which is yeah. why I think I like it. Also, I really appreciate <laughs> Saga and the fortune teller when he's just doing his best. Like the ground is shaking underneath of you. The volcano will erupt. What language do I need to say it in? <laughs> like I just, <laughs> and he eventually figures out how to work with their beliefs that like are so steadfast that they will not the volcano is smoking like it's i just very much related to Sokka in that moment where it's like i i understand having faith but the world is literally about to crumble around you <laughs> Sokka has a lot of excellent moments which is just a in part a byproduct of his volume of like presence in the show from the beginning but he's also like always the realist of the group like everyone else is always distracted by their own usually by their own feelings or something. And he's like, you know what? There's a war. These are our priorities. Stop dawdling. Like his schedule. Like, y'all remember that? In the, In the painted lady. It was long. I was like, you don't like expect that from like a character that comes across as like so chaotic as like Sokka. But like when I saw that, I was like, this makes so much sense to me. Like who else was going to do that? Like who else was going to plan for that? Like it's just great. Which also, so like, because, like, you see, like, Sokka, like, honestly being the best human you could ever want. Because it's like everyone's so focused with, like, their bending abilities and their powers and how am I going to control this. But he is just being responsible for being a human and relating to everyone as human beings, which is something that not the other characters, like, embody as much as Sokka, I would definitely say. Especially when we see, like, episode 10, I think, when we meet Jet. Mm -hmm. and all their antics and Sokka's like no guys like seriously this is wrong they're it's just a old man like you have to let him go like appeal to your humanity like come on now and Go we'll talk about this more in the jet episode but like the the hold that he has over everyone else where he's just like people will just knock out helpless civilians wild um I think that I wanted to speak on the whole like chaotic energy of Sokka while also being like very much like an organized, detailed planning person. That's just college. <laughs> I was gonna say, I think that's why my brother related to him so much. Like my brother, like to, he, 
I don't know if I have his permission to say anything, so I'm not going to say anything about like his own stuff, but he's very much like, that's his energy is he's like so chaotic, but he's also very organized. Like between the two of us, guess whose room is cleaner? It, it's literally his, wow. like. <laughs> Zach, what are you doing in Kaylee's house? Social distance. <laughs> but I think that's why my brother related to him so much. And I think that there are other kids out there who probably related to him in that aspect too. That's got of some like, ADHD energy to it. And like maybe slightly OCD energy. Like he's not necessarily an OCD character or an ADHD character. Like that there's never been any explicit things from the creators that say that Sokka has any of those mental or even if that was the sentiment they had in mind while creating him, but it's a sentiment right. that people who deal with those things can find comfort in. Right, exactly. Oh, yeah. Man, I love Sokka. And he is, like, like really excellent character development arc because they didn't stop him after, like, the sexism arc. They allowed him to continue. And I think that's what frustrated me, not frustrated me, um, but, like, jarred me so much about your point in the last episode, Zach, about how Toph's arc ended with the runaway. Because, like, why would they stop her there? She's still a character in the show. Why not allow her to continue with the rest of her progress like they did with Sokka? And I guess it's... He had a lot more room to grow because he was there for longer and he started from being a misogynistic prick. There's so much growth to do from down there. What an excellent... Also, when he reunites with Hakoda at the beginning of The Guru... My heart, I wanted to cry. I think I have cried before, like at the right time of the month, but it's, I love, Hakoda is a great dad. Also really hot, but that's not the point. Hakoda is a spectacular father. (laughs) Absolutely not this episode. (laughs) I mean, it's gotta be said at some point. Honestly, should we just have a thirsting episode? <laughs> I have a Dilf's episode it. and include Ozai just for <laughs> kicks. <laughs> the episode title is too far, but you don't know why until like the last five minutes when it's just about Ozai. <laughs> Cabbage Man? Oh my gosh. If we mention Cabbage Man in that episode. <laughs> Wouldn't that be your guilt? I mean, does cabbage? I mean, do the cabbages count as his children? This is this is not for this episode. But does he sell his children? Is that what we're implying? Is this child trafficking? <laughs> Hold on. Dark past of oh the cabbage. Oh my god. <laughs> 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 oh, so uncomfortable. <laughs> How did Cabbage Corp come to be? Anyway. <laughs> Moving. Um, I wanted okay. Speaking on Sokka and Hakoda, I wanted more moments with Sokka and Hakoda. I know that they like time limit and stuff, but like in the third season, like they had that whole moment with Hakoda and Katara, and then they had Sokka saving Hakoda from the boiling rock. But uh, I don't know. Like, I think there were a lot of moments, but. I could always use more. I think it's like the family right. dynamic of Hakoda, Katara, and Sokka is just really... It's really good, and it's really yeah. refreshing in the context of like how many bad or just dead parents there are in the series. Because like there's Toph's parents, there's Ozai, Ursa in God knows where. There's... Who else actually has parents? Suki doesn't. Wait, I have a question. 
how long were Hakoda and the other men gone from the like two years, time? two and a half? Yeah, they were all... Carolina. Are you talking to us? Because you're muted. No, said, my let's, my let's find out and I was gonna look it up. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I was just curious. Um, but yeah, it, uh. At the, at the In the first episode, Katara says, like, two years ago, my father and the men of his tribe went to the Earth Kingdom to help out with the war effort. Um, so, yeah, they've been gone about two years. And then, was it six years ago that uh, Kaya was killed? Who? Kaya. Your uh, mom? She was killed five years ago. Sokka was ten. But if Katara is fourteen... Sokka's 15, according to the avatarfandom.com. <laughs> like, I always did the math that Kaya was killed when Katara was 8, and now she's 14, so it was 6 years ago. Maybe her birthday hadn't passed? Perhaps. Anyway, time is hard. I'll, I'll check her page, too. There are a number of places where they just don't quite get the timeline right, and it's fine. Um, you just let it go. I'm yelling at the uh, the Fire Nation royal lineage because Sozin Azulon and then Iroh in the course of a hundred years isn't quite enough generations, but that's a different conversation. Um, where were we? Family unit. They're like the only family unit. Yes, of, like, like having a healthy father unit. figure and yeah. like seeing healthy family dynamics is really comforting. Especially, times, which is nice. Like father's gone, they're left, and yet they're on this adventure. Like it's showing a very accurate depiction of like the family unit under the circumstances of this war that needs to come to an end. Mm-hmm. There's also the huge tendency in kids shows to just have not not have the parents be there because you don't want the parents like getting like involved a disruptive in... authority as is yeah. an issue that comes like... up quite a lot in Korra. <laughs> Yeah, because, like, you want to just, like, follow the kid's journey, and it's, like, childlike adventure. You don't want an authoritative figure getting mixed up. And that's not even outside of just Avatar. It was just a trend. And I remember just thinking, is this what parents parents are supposed to be? That, like, they're off in, like, another country for years, and you just, like, never see them? I thought this was just, like, a thing because of all of the child children's media that that had that depiction honestly and you have like a bunch of children in nuclear families being raised by their parents like am i doing it wrong (laughs) i will say as someone whose dad traveled for work a lot when i was growing up literally he would be gone from like monday to thursday or monday to friday every single week when we were growing up to the point where my brother didn't know that he was our dad when he was four he called him that guy in texas and then yeah i know that's why my dad quit his first job anyways that's like a whole family thing but like he would travel to different countries and different states like every single week and we basically grew up without our dad around. Like speaking as a child who had that kind of family dynamic where our one of our parents was gone and we were basically being raised by a single mom, like it was really comforting for me to see some a somewhat similar situation to what my family was like. Mm-hmm. Like knowing that every family like there's no such thing as a normal family you know like there's the nuclear family which is like the model of what a family should be but there's no such thing as a normal family and seeing that kind of family dynamic on screen was really comforting because when my dad was home he was like very loving and very caring 
and he spent as much time with us as possible, which is how I feel like Hakoda would be with his kids. And he always talked about how he missed them every day that he was gone. Like there was never a time when he was happy to be gone. He wished he didn't have to leave. See, but there's also like another, another side to that. That's like, it's like, yes, he was very loving when he was there, but like the amount of responsibility that like Sokka and Katara had like put on them at a young age is like also jarring because like I love the Hakoda moments too and I think that he's a great dad and like obviously he can't help like you know trying to end a war and like do his job and stuff but it's like the fact that like Sokka was like the strategist during like the day of the black sun or like whatever it was like that like stressed me out I was like how old is he again like it's just the kind of like there's also that other side to it it's like you need this war to end and like they need their family because like they're still like kids you know I think think one thing that lends special credibility to him in that moment is that he was the whole gang was off exploring other parts of the world whereas they were just fighting and they had like specific inside knowledge that no one else had specific to like going to the library yeah I think that's why it lends more credibility to yeah he's a 15 year old kid but he he specifically has this inside knowledge that no one else has and by giving it to other people, it could be dangerous because it could leak to people who shouldn't know that information. So it made sense that he was the strategist for that whole invasion. And it also, like, the themes of the show are about, like, war and how it affects children. Like, that's one of the big themes of the show, and that's one of the things that the show really is focused on exploring. So, you know, like, to us, it doesn't make sense that a 15-year-old would be planning a a whole invasion or a a battle but in the context of the show it does make sense and also the kids have like some of the purest intentions the adults have a lot of mixed bags a lot of uh they've managed to gather a lot more baggage over living in this world for a longer time yeah and just different things to survive like even uh the inventor like he was like oh i'm making stuff for the fire nation like he didn't have a choice like it's a very logical reason why he did that but at the same time, like, a kid's version of that wouldn't necessarily think so. And it's just like, you know, my one intention is to get this. Which is directly contrast by how Teo reacts to it. Teo is like, there's no set of circumstances that could ever justify doing what you're doing. And sometimes you need that balance of, like, some a kid that just sees the end goal of that and then a parent that sees, you know, the different avenues and mm-hmm. works together sometimes. Sometimes think all the parents in this world have never lived a day in their life where the fire nation was not in control they lived their entire lives they were probably at some point like the kids in the show where they had optimism for the future they had hope that's one of the major yeah, like themes yeah but then as the years go on and nothing changes and things just get worse they it, it gets killed out of them and that's why like i'm always sitting here like i can understand why this group of kids had to save the world but like the fact that they are the ones to also go on to rebuild it is where I'm like, no, no, <laughs> let's stop that. But that's a conversation for another day. Um, Sokka worst moments. And this can be either like a personal gripe with him or something that was just narratively out of character because mine will and always will be the Southern Raiders when he's like, no, we can't kill Yon Ra. Why would we kill him? That would be so bad. And there's like an extent to you can go to where it's like he doesn't yeah. want his little sister to commit murder. That I can understand. But that's not how it was presented. It was presented as uh, 
this isn't the way to solve this as a ang is right and as a oh my god why would we kill someone whereas then on the next episode he is captain of the ss murder ozai so i don't understand like what i don't that, that's not clicking for me yeah on that moment too like i i know that like that guy killed yan Ra killed his mother too like she was his mother too they do say like he does like say like she was my mother too to katara at one point but like I'm sure, like, Sokka would also want him to have just, like, their justice to be served. He is grieving as well. He would want right. some, and he's not opposed to vengeance. Like, we see the way that he pins Azula down, trying to figure out where Suki is. And, like, like especially when it comes to his family, he is very impassioned about how to deal with all of that stuff. Yeah. So for him to be like, no, we need to mellow out. We need because like they really just wanted someone to take Aang's side. That's the only reason that they had him say that. <laughs> but it would have been interesting if no one had taken Aang's side in that, because we see that exact dynamic happen the next episode, like not very like long after that. Where and it would Aang make is... more sense why Aang blows up the way he does because he's felt alone for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think that like. His reaction to it, although it's like uh, so infuriating, like you would be more mad at this. I think that, I think he was actually kind of looking at like the long run of it. Like the first taste of like killing someone is something that not only does Katara not want on her conscience, but I don't think Sokka could handle mm. whatever impacts that would have on her plus himself yeah. being a part of it. Yeah, if it had been presented in that way, I think that I wouldn't be as mad at that moment, but it wasn't right. presented in that way. And that's why <laughs> it's so right. frustrating. Like there's an in-character mm -hmm. way to execute Sokka being opposed to Katara going to kill Yan-Ra, but that's not how they approached it. They approached it again, in my general frustration with the Southern Raiders, the duality of Aang versus Zuko, who is right about what Katara should be doing as opposed to Katara and Sokka conferring about the best way to handle their grief. Also the fact that like Aang seemed to have more of a voice than Sokka. Like yeah. it was Aang's argument as opposed to Sokka's argument and like Aang's never met Kaya. It's <laughs> not his mom. And he's barely like confronted his own grief of the genocide of his people. So, and as you said in the last episode, Rachel, that it was just like a one-off. This is how Aang is dealing with his grief and the guru and we're moving on. Mm-hmm. I will get into this in the Katara episodes because I will go off about the Southern Raiders when the time comes. That is, <laughs> I think it's episode it's after next. Uh, yeah, it's it's a coming. <laughs> I have feelings. <laughs> so I'm trying to think. I know that I have a lot of, not a lot. I have a good number of worse Sokka moments because there are a lot of moments where I'm like, dude, bro. Um, I'm trying to think of a specific one, but you can come back to me. If anyone else has something okay, i don't something this is more of a question than anything because i haven't seen this episode in a long time wait actually it's like i don't understand why he wasn't like enjoying like the secret tunnel episode like with like the music and stuff because like there's that side of him that's like we need to go and like we need to do stuff like i'm the only one keeping these like master benders in line but it's also there's also that part of him that like gets distracted easily and i feel like <laughs> In like the, the way right that when he's whenever he's with Aang, they all like all brain cells out the window. They goofy. have half of one left. Goofy, they're goofy. <laughs> but it's like in that episode, I guess it's because like everyone else was kind of like 
you know, I'm going to have fun and like listen to music and no one is taking charge. And that's when he feels like he has to take charge. Okay. I answered my own question, but that was just something that always confused me. <laughs> was like why he wasn't like him and like the leader of the band, I feel like would vibe. Like, but the Saga and Nomad dynamic was also really funny because he had a bruise on his forehead by the end of the day from how much he was face palming. Exactly. That was funny. <laughs> also, I don't like, I don't think that he's necessarily, I think he's always the one prioritizing the mission like even when he's with the group his his sense of humor isn't like being distracted or going off and doing his own thing it's always just like quippy one-liners or just saying funny things it's never and really... they're always redirecting back to we have a mission to accomplish yeah it's it's never him him being distracting or distracting everyone else it's all it's just he has a funny sense of humor it's not purposeful unlike in the desert when he eats the cactus water i think is something like that yeah I, but that that he there i can understand like drunk off the ass. desperation of like needing water <laughs> yeah like, i love cactus juice that's cactus. actually like i It'll love quench that <laughs> and i have stickers i've made Sokka stickers for cactus juice that i put on my brother's water bottle <laughs> artisanal cactus juice I love someone made art of like Sokka's cactus juice looking like a Jack Daniels bottle. Like that's really entertaining. Like the cactus juice is not a worse moment because it makes sense. But like coupled with all of the other shit that's happening in the desert where Aang is grieving like he never has before. Toph can't see like for real, for real. And now Sokka's drunk. <laughs> and it's just so funny because the moment also, he sobers up, eats something else that he doesn't know. I said, really? Hello. Have we learned nothing in the last 16 hours? What is even in the cactus juice? What would make you hallucinate like that? I don't know. I'm Without, not hip to like, was cactus he not hallucinogens. It might just be like... <laughs> it might just be like this world's version of like mushrooms, you know? That or like it's not impossible for a cactus to just create a liquid that ferments inside of it as time goes on. Wait, now I want to know if cactuses could actually make you hallucinate. I'm There's probably one out there somewhere. <laughs> like, it might be a self-defense mechanism on the part of the plant. So like, <laughs> so like, don't eat me. I'll get you drunk it, and then yeah. something else will kill you. Oh, okay. So yes, there's an alkaloid that causes hallucinogenic effects sim similar to those of LSD and stuff in magic mushrooms. It occurs naturally in several varieties of cactus, most notably peyote native to Mexico, and San, the San Pedro cactus native to Peru. That's so wild. He was... And they are in a desert, and, and Mexico has deserts. Giant mushy friend. <laughs> I always thought of it, because I never... Because I guess there's not, like... There's kind of a difference, because I always thought of it, like, Roxy was saying, like, it was a trip. <laughs> like, he wasn't just drunk, like... But he was tripping. There was something else going on there. <laughs> a whole thing. And then he got the munchies this is true <laughs> wait no yeah definitely Sokka was high not drunk never mind <laughs> okay I thought of my first worst Sokka moment while we were talking about hallucinogenic cactus <laughs> um my worst Sokka moment is actually it's the painted lady episode just kind of that whole episode it's very in character and I like I I concede that like that whole episode he was very much in character but 
I am a big Katara fan. Like I've been a Katara fan since I was little. I related to her so much. And I was like, Sokka, just let her do her thing. Like, let, like, I was just so annoyed with him that whole episode because Katara just wanted to help these people. Like she wasn't doing anything wrong by trying to help these and people. And it was fully within her power to help these people. Like it'd be a different thing if it was a fruitless mission, but she had all of the resources. Right. And like, eventually Sokka came around and by the end of the episode I was like okay we're cool again Sokka but that the whole like most of that episode I was just like I can't I can't with you part of it is like when you watch that episode without like remembering that the day of black sun is coming up or even like as a little kid you're sitting there like what the fuck is so urgent that we need to leave right now like you're not doing anything versus like if we had seen like even just the most remote suggestion of like him sending out messenger hawks to reach out to different people like to see the workings of the invasion plan coming up as opposed to just like them sitting around waiting to get moving again i think would have made it easier to read but yeah i'm also like as a fellow katara fan i'm also like it's give her like three days to just do what she needs to do (laughs) yeah and like the other, th- I, the other thing, it just like in the whole episode, it just they kept making not making it a point that I don't know how to phrase this. Basically, they were framing it like Katara cares about these people and she's gonna do what she needs to do to help them, and Sokka doesn't care about these people. Yeah, and he says that he does care, but the way that you, when I was a little kid and I viewed that episode, I was like, Sokka doesn't care about other people. He just cares about this mission. And like looking back on it now, obviously he did care about them. He did want them to have like a better life, but he knew that he couldn't, he in his power could not do anything, even though Katara could. And there was like something else, a further goal that they had to go accomplish, yeah. but they still got where they needed to be. Like, yeah. And when I, they needed his to be there. sentiment was like, if we fix, to use a little like actor's language, if we fix the broader systemic issue of the Fire Nation being oppressive in all of the ways that it is, then these people will get the help that they need. Whereas Katara is like, okay, but I could just blow up this factory and fix it now. <laughs> the other thing was like throughout that episode, it was just like, it was so neurotic, like the way that he planned everything out, like bathroom breaks and like everything. And I was like, this is just too much for me. Like I am not this kind of person and I just can't relate to you Sokka my brother could like for sure um and he did but like I was just that whole time I was like this is too much but it's also like how long does it take y'all to fucking pee (laughs) (laughs) um I I think that like a worse Sokka moment for me I think this isn't like his worst moment ever this is just one that like really annoyed me is when like they were being chased by like Azula and her gang and like he like couldn't stay awake and it just like kind of like it felt a little bit out of character for me because like he was kind kind of like the comic relief because like Katara and Toph were like fighting the whole time yeah but it's like he wasn't in like this like protector like survival mode like kind of persona that I would assume that he would have but he was just kind of like like loopy and like, I'm just gonna fall asleep I'm not gonna think about like anyone else and it was just like that doesn't seem very soccer to me but I kind of disagree because I'm like me personally I'm very much the type of person to take initiative and and be very organized when it comes to very serious things but if I'm lack 
if I have a lack of sleep, nothing else takes priority over that. If I'm tired, I'm going to sleep. And if you try to wake me up, I'm going to be pissed off. But you see, I have, I come from an opposite place where like those first like 36 hours after I haven't slept for a while, I'm running on pure adrenaline. Like I am on it. I think that's where I'm at too. Cause it's like, it's like an adrenaline. It's not just like, oh, I have to go to school today. It's like our life. Your body kicks into that survival mode of, oh, it's not safe to sleep. Exactly. Oh no, I'm one of those people that needs that sleep. I feel like Sokka was like, no, no, listen, if you want me at my best, someone needs to like step up and help out. But like, I'm going to sleep. (laughs) You got it. Give me a good seven hours, maybe six and a half. (laughs) And I got you. I don't know. I feel like he's like preserving himself. He's like, no, 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 listen, you want me get me six hours. Like, it's not out of character because no one's to say, like, it's it's clear that Sokka is more of the Zack or the Roxy type where he's like, I'm sleeping. Y'all can deal with this otherwise. If I get lightning, I get lightning. Oh, well. <laughs> deal with yourselves for six hours. <laughs> Bye-bye. I've been trying to think of other, like, worse Sokka moments, but I can't think of a lot of others just because I feel like... He have bad moments. He's just, you know... He like, can be annoying sometimes, and yeah. like, a but lot, who in the show of, isn't? Right. He, especially <laughs> his early, see, like the early parts of his character arc where he's still misogynistic before he meets Suki. Like, there's definitely a lot I can nitpick about there, but it's it's very much. It's in three there. episodes. It's ninety right. minutes of content. <laughs> right. And like, there's a lot. Sixty minutes because it's not full half hour episodes. That was a buffer given for commercial breaks. I'm trying to, like, I don't know, there's not a lot of bad soccer. I feel like they write his character pretty consistently throughout the show. I feel like he, because he's so intelligent and because he stays in that character pretty much the whole time, like, it's hard to find bad soccer moments. There there are some, but, like... The only one that I can really think of is the Southern Raiders. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. For me, worst moment is when the writing didn't make sense. the character felt inconsistent because if the character was unlikable at times to me that's realistic and i yeah. actually prefer that um mm-hmm. but yeah Sokka, i feel like was the most consistently written, written character even with these discrepancies that we're pointing out i can totally see real people acting in yeah. having those dichotomies um the only thing that that really stands out to me is what yanni pointed out of the southern raiders i didn't even remember that that was a weird discrepancy but absolutely that he says yeah this guy don't kill him but in the next episode he's just like we'll kill um ozai it doesn't fucking matter <laughs> like, really it's that particular dichotomy that you're sitting here like is uh, which fire nation bad guys are we killing i don't well, like not interesting a... oh oh sorry <laughs> i was gonna say not only does he say oh it's like let's kill ozai whatever he actively is like the one pushing for it most out of like him and zuko are pushing to kill ozai more than anyone else in the gang and even zuko is kind of like well that's my dad so i can't say like kill him but i also can't suggest anything else right right and top tier like villain in like the eyes of many for a long time so i feel like the entire series has been building up to Ozai and how he's going to be handled. Like, we needed a great demise, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. A great divide? Decision, but like, 
Yeah. Please tell me we're never talking about the Great Divide. I just don't want to talk about that episode. There's nothing to talk about. In fact, it, it, it does a disservice to the characters, honestly. I mean, I guess we can bring it up a bit because Sokka is in that episode. But like, yeah, it, it's, is, it, it feels the most like a kid's show, which is why it's so uninteresting. Because it becomes like a very sharp dichotomy of like, Katara likes to be clean and neat and Sokka is willing to get dirty. And then Aang lies to solve it all, which is like, no. Right. Absolutely yeah. not. That's <laughs> incorrect. I said they were kids. False. Yeah, and it's it's very it pits the siblings against each other. It pits Katara and Sokka against each other, which like I personally like if it's for over something a, a really few... trivial and surface level with like two people that they don't know. Right. When it when it's something that's actually like poignant and like it's not for a whole episode where you draw it out like I understand that because I have a sibling and we fight all the time but if when it's something that stupid and it's drawn out for that long I just I get bored and I get I'm over it mm -hmm. like the canyon crawler solution was interesting but like if the rest of the episode didn't suck I'd appreciate it more it didn't suck yo fighting words <laughs> Someone can fight me. You gotta watch the podcast. Give me my views. Run me my check. Um, you're. So that's what we've got for worst Sokka moments. Let's see. Character development. Um, the like four pillars that I had in mind for him were like the sexist, the strategist, the leader, responsibility and protector arc, and inventor potential. The one that I'm most excited about is inventor potential because I feel like that. Why went... did he not become an inventor? Oh my I god! Don't know. I'm so mad. I'm so mad. Right. I wanted Sokka to become the first engineer. I looked into it. I looked into it. He's what? He's he's a political something. He like... becomes a politician. <laughs> he becomes he's the, the, the southern water the tribe. He's the chief of the southern water tribe. No, he's, he's not the, the chief. Republic he's the city representative. representative. I think that somewhere makes sense. It doesn't make Hold sense on, because he's not a good public speaker and the show makes a point of that. I <laughs> think like... I read somewhere that he does become the chief of the Southern Water Tribe and that's why he is the representative. I was but on the Wiki's page and it, it's not an official title for him or official job okay. position he has. Let's Maybe be fair that he is a strategist and that wrong. was kind of the thing. But like that, that would put you in the position to be like in the military or an inventor. Like yeah. a politician is a very different I mean, thing the, than like a general. Really any major inter inter yeah, he there is weren't the many conflicts between different okay. groups of people where there would be wars so it would make sense that he's instead just a politician for the sake of negotiation in terms of but, strategy but he's not good at like, like like he doesn't have people skills okay but also he was <laughs> no. 15 in the original show like well I sure i guess i see that but like i feel like all for a lot of them like the jobs they have have like no correlation to the people we got to know on the show like they were focused on creating yeah. republic city rather than why republic city like right. why these characters yeah. would want to make republic city also yeah. why i think katara could have been the politician the representative of the southern water tribe because she we have seen is good at rallying people up and at doing that stuff but so in, to that point katara isn't so much good at organizing people but like like if if a, a rebellion is needed Call Katara. Yeah. Wait, what was Katara's job? 
Oh, she being the avatar which is something she didn't. She became a healer, the no. healer of the Southern Water Tribe, no. which is something she said she didn't want to do. Was the whole Wait, point? No. We actually yes, yes. <laughs> she's, she's a healer. So she's a healer trainer. And oh, and she's she the next line the of Airbender's mother. Don't avatar. forget that she also made more Airbenders, and that's the important. I fucking we'll talk about her in her episode. We'll talk about her in her episode. <sighs> But yeah, I feel like it could have been a it could have been a do a dual thing. It could have been both of them together representing the Southern Water Tribe, if anything. Because then the points where Sokka is not good at speaking in front of a whole crowd to express his ideas, Katara could step up and express what he wanted to say, and he could formulate all the ideas. And then also he could have been an inventor. I don't know why he's not when they have so many points in the show talking about how smart he is and how good of an inventor he is. That's my thing. The like I. The reason he's a good strategist is because he's able to like think outside the box and think about things from like multiple angles, which is like engineering, inventing, like all that stuff. I feel like it's not necessarily like he's just a strategist. It's like he has this part of his brain that like Creates. works really well. It's very creative, but like in a more technical way. I'm sorry, it my cat's on the fly. Yeah, I've been hearing them yelling. Like, uh, are Alex and Marco good? <laughs> They're feral. They're exclusively <laughs> indoor cats, but they act feral. <laughs> but that's like that good. That thank you for that like articulation, Rachel. Because that's uh, like Sokka going into politics is not what's adding up for me. I think him being adjacent to the political goings on of wherever the world is headed is like plausible but for it to be like well yeah he was 15 we don't know where he could have gone in adulthood where he went in adulthood is not adding up for me <laughs> but i feel like becoming an inventor wouldn't have been the move for him either i feel like all of his inventions and his like quick wit happened because he was under the pressure of this is life or death and this potentially could help us get out of this situation but since you know the war was over but not even because when they come up with how to get the air balloon to work, that's not because they needed the air balloon to work. That's just because they, he, he thought about it. Like he's fully capable of like, if he puts himself in the environment to be creating, to like be behind all of the advents of technology, he would have been a major driver of that. I feel like logistically. And it also would have made it more satisfying when we think about like, like eventually Bayfong Industries becomes a thing, but then it's not in The Legend of Korra. So, like it is in the comics, but it's not in Korra. So I don't, I'll readdress that in a different time. Um, but there's also like um, future industries and other tech companies kind of come out of nowhere. And it's just like a consequence of industrialization as opposed to connecting it back to something that had roots in the original show of like, did Teo make this? Did Sokka make this? Did kind of finding those little lines that are exciting. Also, I mean, you did earlier say we don't need to have everything be connected directly to characters. You Like you said, they're sort of responsible for ending the war, but after the war, it should be sort of the responsibility of everyone else to help build up. Well, that's not quite what I was getting at. So, like, as these kids are growing, like, they're still kids by the conclusion of the series. My interest is in like allowing these children to be children for a little while while the adults step up to their positions of power their positions of leadership that they are in to correct the world that they have the power to be correcting and then, then as they are growing into adulthood they go on to create these things like i'm not saying like i want the earth king to do earth king things i think 
either Ira or some council of Fire Nation like folks should be the people running the Fire Nation for a little while until Zuko is like at least 21 if we're gonna like take some frozen coronation age like like he's still a teenage boy you know I feel a way about like even Aang and the rest of the gang having to step up and be leaders of the world when they are still children yeah I get that I'm just saying like as far as into like Republic City and the major infrastructures of the world at large I don't think that the original gang need to be key players at that point I don't think they need to be players but it could be something that like like I'm not saying Katara Katara. you know Sokka as an inventor would be like the thing that runs Republic City but it's like his technological advents become a factor in how this all comes together like for the the for Republic City to not be a mission that the whole gang was on as it is kind of framed in the show but a consequence of like unity and like industrialization being used for good and things of that sort as opposed to like we are making a good place where people come together to do things at the same time and nobody is in conflict ever and then that doesn't work <laughs> yeah. i don't think so much like there needs to be like a Sokka industries or anything yeah that, like is descended from him but maybe like one of his inventions is what inspired other people and although like, i do think is- Varric is Sokka's grandson <laughs> Who knows? That's my personal <laughs> headcanon. Yeah. Like, I don't, there's some soccer genes in there in my personal opinion, but that's a different <laughs> conversation. Like, like, it's not something that the show so much, like, is constantly being like, yeah, thanks to Sokka, blah, 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 blah. And here's Sokka's idea of blah, 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 in Legend of Korra. It could just be like, like a little hidden detail that you find out through a lot of searching, but it's not the main focus but it would have been a nice tie-in. Also why both her husband and her brother are at the trial for the bloodbender, but Katara is not. It's well, not that that hurts. Uh, Not canonically like confirmed, which is also disappointing. Great for the Zuka shippers who just want to say that he's gay and then didn't have any kids, but- oh um, kids? Zuko, yes, he had Izumi and then Izumi had General Iroh II. Who was Zuko's, who's the mother? That's a good question. They don't say. Wait, they don't, it's not, wait. No, because Mei and Zuko break up in the comics. So Izumi just happened. Yeah, they don't say who her her, her mother is. Uh, Zuko reproduces asexually. (laughs) (laughs) Zuko's like a starfish. He just cuts off a limb. (laughs) Cuts off the hair that probably grew back. And just says, he cut off his ponytail again and then it turned into Izumi. <laughs> Izumi is the product of his ponytail when he cut it off in that one episode. Oh my god. I think we need to have a whole episode where we talk about like the kids of the gang because there's some theories running around Twitter about like parentage and true parentage that are I really can't wait to ignite think, the diehard Katang shippers. <laughs> A lot of them are jokes, and then they just get spurred on because of how much certain shippers hate it. And yeah, like, exactly. Well, like we're just here to make everyone else mad. Um, you fuel the more you hate, the more you fuel with spite. Right. Like right. if you're angry about it, I'm just gonna make you angrier. Sorry. Um, That's what I've learned from fandom Twitter. 
like the best lesson I can I can pull from fandom Twitter. Fandom I'm not Twitter on. It's a great place to just like release anger, not to like, yeah. like take it out on other people and cyberbully and dox people because that's fucking insane and I don't understand why it happens. To be completely fucking honest, but like if you just want to say something that's like gonna ignite people and then just watch people be mad about it, power move. Yeah. Um, I am not on Atla Twitter. I'm not on Avatar Twitter. I'm on a different side of Twitter, but I see Avatar Twitter all the time and they I don't want to touch Avatar Twitter with like a 10-foot pole. I'm absolutely so not. Of, I like so I'll look up a it. certain tag on occasion and then I see like some dry ass takes in it and I'm like, never mind. <laughs> I know media, I would get destroyed. The only media I consume with regards to Avatar of recent is like people talking about the live action shit and making jokes about it, which is, like, my favorite thing <laughs> to it's watch. It's so funny. Um, excuse me. I also I spend a lot of time on Avatar Tumblr, because that's where, like, all the thoughtful takes are. <laughs> like, Twitter, a f- flaming garbage can. But, like, people make actual metas on Tumblr, and you also get to see a lot of cute art. So. <laughs> um, That was a tangent. A I would have liked to see Sokka's potential as an inventor explored in earnest as opposed to him like kind of going into more of a political angle of things and then i still feel like i'm just gonna say it because like i i've changed what i wanted to do like 12 times in my life even though i felt very solid or like i had developed a lot in one regard or another like there's no way you can be sure what you want to do and it can change several times so like I think it's just kind of jarring because we don't get in the in-between of like how he decided to become a politician. And that's just like, I completely agree that it's just like for the sake of core, they just want to focus on Republic City and they're just like stick Sokka in there as a politician. Why the fuck not? But as far as like it, its potential and that it could happen, I still think I'm still ready to believe it. Even yeah, it's not implausible. I just personally dislike it. Yeah, yeah. It's not as out of character as where they took Toph's character and made her sure. a police chief. <laughs> right. Toph's Toph's progression is really like, how did we get here? We said something last time that was really. Someone proposed some plot point that would have been really cool to explore. If was, either one of Toph's that... students or Lynn was the person that started the police force as opposed to Toph starting the police force. Yeah, it was, it, someone said, what if, since Toph created earthbending and she was very, she shared it with maybe just a couple people, but someone took it and used it as the police force as an authority figure, which is the exact opposite of what she wanted. And that that could be like a plot point. That would be so cool if they were to do that instead. Exactly. It was right in front of them and then they just didn't. Um, also the fact that they just like told Suki to fuck off over the course of Legend of Korra and the comics <laughs> like they like the Kyoshi Warriors became Zuko's guards but that was it there was nothing like about Suki anymore was Suki in Korra? no at all it is theorized that she died young oh, that's cool she was done dirty. Fun, I guess. they just continued to do Suki dirty long after the conclusion I guess she of the didn't turn into the moon so what <laughs> <laughs> if Suki doesn't have a constellation, I'm fighting someone. <laughs> That's just Suki so funny to me. <laughs> turns into a star. A lion a turtle. A lion turtle. 
I'm not a lion turtle. <laughs> but like she turns into a a, a saber tooth moose lion. Ooh, I love that for her. Tear a bitch up. What were the other arcs of stock we were talking about? There was Which... his like how I guess his sexism arc kind of also then turns into his protector arc because we kind of thank you Zach picked up pick ooh I'm moving my mic that's not good we picked apart um how Sokka's sense of sexism is more a consequence of how men are asserted than like how women are less valuable so I wonder like let me focus on his protector arc. So there's like his sense of needing to protect Katara and the tribe that he is left with as his father leaves to go fight in the war. And then that turns into the Northern Water type chief being like, I need you to protect Yue. Then Yue dies. And then the way he acts towards Suki through the conclusion of the series. Okay. Um, I will say, I think just like an overall arc for Sokka in terms of being the protector. He de- I think he definitely starts off the series feeling like he's the only one who can protect like his sister and his tribe and all these people. He's the only one who can train these young boys to also be fighters and warriors. But then he means- But that simultaneously exists in conversation with being super insecure about his ability to do so. Right. Like he puts on this this front where he's like, really really hyper masculine and he's trying to like show everyone that like he can protect all of these people but he's also 15 and he's lived without his dad there for two years so you know that brings up some concerns and that brings up some insecurity for sure and then I think after he meets Suki and she kind of whoops his ass you know things start to change in terms of like, like I think his insecurity might get a little worse in terms of how confident he is in his ability to protect the people he cares about. But I also think that his his worldview shifts a little or shifts, it shifts pretty significantly. And he starts to realize that like, not only does he not have to be the only one protecting these people, he shouldn't be the only one protecting these people because they can protect themselves. So then when I think he and Suki reunite later on, it kind of becomes a point where like, yeah, he does want to protect her and he wants to be able to like be there for her and be there for the other people he loves. But he also recognizes that they are autonomous and they're powerful in their own right too. That and they're there for him. Like Mm -hmm. she comes along in the interest of protecting him. That is the revelation at the conclusion of the serpent's past. And for him to like, be able to really internalize that people are also there to support and protect him alongside his interest in supporting and protecting the people he loves. Yeah. Which like is a very good thing for his character arc in terms of like that whole aspect, I think is one of the best character arcs in the show because it, it really is a progression. It's not like he goes from point A to point B overnight. He It takes a lot for him to get to that point in that final season where he feels like he can rely on the people he loves, but he can also protect the people he loves and he doesn't have to be overbearing about it. Mm-hmm. Like with Suki, he's, he's not overbearing about her and like protecting her because he knows that she's capable and he knows that she's 
there might be moments where she needs his protection, but he also needs her protection too. And they have like a mutual thing. Like going. they feel very much equal in that dynamic, which is why everyone loves their relationship so much. It's because it doesn't feel imbalanced in any capacity, um, which kind of epitomizes themes of the show. Hey, but also like the fact that his interests as a protector are not disregarded in the conclusion of the show, because we see a lot of how he is there for Toph, like throughout the finale. Um, like he literally shields her body with his own from falling debris. Like, like finding the spaces where it is relevant for him to like seeing him go through that process of recognizing when he needs to be a protector and when he needs to be protected or when people are just like working together. Like that, that was a really excellent art for him. This was, I think I agree with you that this was his best arc and quite possibly one of the best arcs of the show. And I think through all of that too, like maybe as a consequence of of him realizing that, he also gains confidence in his ability to protect the people he loves, mm-hmm. and his and his ability to be a leader. Like he definitely, like in the beginning of the show, it's very obvious that he's not confident in his ability to be a leader or in his ability to be a protector. And by the end, he's a completely not a completely different person. He's just gained so much more in terms of like his confidence and his overall just like standing in the group, you know? I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm explaining that well or articulating that well, but that's what No, I got tr- That's I what got I love what about saying. him. Yeah. One of the things I love about Sokka and his character. Sokka. Sokka. <laughs> <laughs> um his strategist arc is also a really interesting one because <laughs> it starts off with being from, what was it, Jet, where he's like, I am the leader and I am going to do these things. And there's also this moment where like Katara is like, why do boys always think someone needs to be the leader? And I'm like, I don't think that's a gendered thing. Why does Katara think that's a gendered thing? Um, that was something that I couldn't quite decipher. Um I'll probably think about it more in the guitar episode, but or that leadership is somehow more of a, or maybe that was her observing the dynamic and how it shifted in the tribe versus from when men were there from when women the men had left. I don't know. Um Jet. Jet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Spicy boy. Oh, tall, dark, and leadership stills. Um, which is not a bad type to have. Like what Katara. Katara was not. Katara has taste, honestly. <laughs> mm, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I related a little too hard to Katara in terms of her taste in men. Honestly, like Jet Haru. <sighs> Ooh. And Zuko. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not gonna trigger anybody yet. We're not gonna trigger anybody yet. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. We're not getting there yet. We'll go there in the Katara episode. Oh boy. And the Zuko episode probably. It's probably gonna come <laughs> it's up. Something in both. we both have in common. Um, the strategist arc as like in Jet in particular when he's like 
when he doesn't try to stop the explosion anymore, when he kind of accepts that that's going to happen to the village and he does his best to evacuate it. And also the fact that he stood up for the old man in that moment, like he was going with his gut when he needed to. And that's what saved this whole town and him as well, because he was in the town when it was going to be flooded. Like mm -hmm. Saga could have died there. Hold on. That scares me a little. Episode 10. Like calm down. <laughs> episode 10. I mean, I know this isn't Game of Thrones, so they're not going to kill the protagonist, but still. Mm -mm. I just wrote morals. Let's talk morals. When do Fire Nation become regular people? When I was watching that episode, I was like, because hmm. Sokka like, gets it. Like, at the end of the day, there are some people that have nothing to do with the decisions of the Fire Nation, and there are some that are just like pure loyalists of the Fire Nation and everything they're about. And then there are lots of Fire Nation people, I'm sure, that are not, but they're going to sit there because that is a survivor mechanism as well. That, and, like, that old man was literally doing nothing to them and had no sense of, or no, like, like needs of protection. Like, come on now, let yeah. him go. <laughs> and it was... Oh. What was I thinking about? Oh, in terms of, like, humanizing the Fire Nation, that Painted Lady Village, absolutely. Um, and it also shows the way that the Fire Nation, like, even more so than when we find out how Zuko got his scar, like, they don't actually care about their people. They care about power and conquest. Because, mm -hmm. I'll talk about this more in the Zuko episode, but the fact that Zuko gets banished for speaking up for the well-being of his people. We all hate Ozai already, but, like, I hate Ozai. Anyway. <laughs> there's also, like... You can't tell me. There's something to talk about. Good going. <laughs> There's something to talk about too in like the world building episode with the Fire Nation and all of that just because of like what the Fire Nation was based on in terms of like East Asian culture. We can oh. talk about that in world building. Though. The closest real world parallel. Yeah, that's like my favorite aspect of the show is how how complex the Fire Nation is. Yeah. And that's like the only one that can really go in on the complexity of because the people are not wiped out nearly wiped out uh they don't spend enough time there or it's entirely too big to capture the breadth of <laughs> uh i want to talk a bit more about the library episode because that's still my favorite Sokka moment yeah that's like peak being... strategy Sokka. yeah i remember being because it's also like a major that's when his Big part of contribution to the show in terms of the major timeline of everything that happens that's like his moment mm -hmm. of like shifting that's when it like st the ball starts rolling on Sokka yeah. being. and I, mm -hmm. I just remember loving those episodes where he's like I want my vacation to be going to this library and finding this thing because I, I very much identified with that with like in your friend group everyone has their thing that they want to do and yours my personal thing that I want to do may not be what everyone else wants to do, but I'm like, you know what? It's my turn. We're going to fucking do this. I don't care what y'all want. It's my turn. I want to do this. I, I have very much identified with him in that moment. And I loved, I love that. Those and I relate to Katara in picking a place and it turns out to be shitty. <laughs> I just love that whole library. Like you guys can wait outside. I am going to do some research. I'm going to read. I also have some thoughts on Katara in the library yeah. episode. Um, 
But that's that's for Katara. Like, that big ass owl. Wanchi Tong was terrifying, but I loved it. He's my favorite spirit. Um, all those little spirits were scaring me. I don't know if anyone else felt some type of way. Like when that panda bear was not so cute by <laughs> was out there. I said, uh-uh, this is for children, because that would have given me nightmares. It gave me nightmares. I watched that at night. I said, uh-uh. I didn't turn it off. <laughs> so hey, what is this? Hey, bye didn't scare me when I was little, but Ko and the owl did. I love Ko. What's the one with the faces? Ko. Ko the face dealer. Scarlett Johansson, the face dealer. No. <laughs> you think they could cast her? Like, would they be able to get away with it? Code the face stealer in the live action reboot. It's Scarlett Johansson's face, but it still sounds like the original voice actor. <laughs> Have you seen the meme where it's like, it's like, I'll see you again, Aang, and then she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the library, and I. I just love library aesthetics, even though I'm not really a big fan of reading. I just like the aesthetic. Academia? Yeah. Oh. Dark um, academia books. aesthetics? I've been obsessed with dark academia TikTok. I didn't realize that dark best, academia but... was just like darker neutrals as opposed to like going full goth with it, which I guess like goth is already a thing, but like, I want more black. Give me black clothing. <laughs> also, Sokka learning about the stars an astrologist <laughs> right <laughs> he's like let's see i'm a a taurus <laughs> Wait, what sign would Saka be though? what sign am i a taurus he, oh, yep, he's a taurus like the food the being stubborn the sarc he's a taurus <laughs> he's loyal too so he ain't going nowhere <laughs> Just imagining him getting him learning about the stars and then becoming an astrology nut and that's like his story arc for the rest of the show no it's like he discovers astrology but hates it that's true that's what he would do <laughs> because he hates anything it. that's not logical <laughs> like, what, the stars were there before you were <laughs> <laughs> And it's also like the juxtaposition of the library episode where the owl outright like discounts his intelligence, calls him stupid, says that like his contributions are not valuable and they turn out to be the most valuable thing in the show, arguably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that Wanchi Tong obviously just, he couldn't read Sokka because Sokka is literally the smartest character. Yeah, I also like that like the, one of the great things, this is getting into world building, but one thing that I don't like about Christian mythology when used in world building as opposed to this type of mythology is that Christian has a very plain good versus evil dynamic. Yep. Whereas in this, mm -hmm. we have spirits that not only can they be somewhere in between, but also they can be incorrect about things yes. like Lan Chi Tong. Mm -hmm. They can be wrong about things. They can be wrong about like people. They can be tricked. They can be like... Mm -hmm. They can be malicious. They can be very. They like, can be very like personally game. invested in things. Yeah. Like that's that's what I really love about how spirits are used in Avatar as opposed to Korra, because Heibai, Wanchi Tong, Ko, the Painted Lady, they are all things that are attached to something worldly, and like a disruption within that is what like inspires them to manifest or make themselves known in any capacity versus like in Korra in book two so far, they're just like miscellaneous demons. 
That's yeah. what. That's exactly it. But let's not get to that because I want to rant about that in the next episode. That's next episode. That's next episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm McFrustrated by like spirits for spiriting sake, as opposed to them existing. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> uh, spirit laser beams. <laughs> oh God, spirit lasers. Uh, you know what this show needed? A Pacific Rim fight. <laughs> anyway. Turn into like Power Rangers. They have all of their little like. I, th- I didn't know I was watching Voltron. Suddenly there's five avatars at once and they all have their like spirit mecha. And like... <laughs> I didn't know I was watching Voltron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They said team avatar. They really meant a team of avatar. <laughs> like world building out the window. Friends. The avatar is like, not like one avatars. person. It's just four people coming together to make one giant The avatar person. is not one person. It's five right. people in a trench coat. Season two of Korra makes me sad and I don't want to watch it, but I'm gonna. Um... Okay, wait. Can we talk about Sokka's character relationships? Because I think that that is. Oh, hell very... yeah. Thank you for continuing on to the yes. tangent that I will edit out. Yes. Um... Oh, okay. We were... oh, wait, I just want to say something because I told Diani I, I thought of something after the Suki episode. Ooh. And I was like, whoa, wait. Because <laughs> we were talking about, like, I forget exactly. But like I, there's like a parallel between them both that I didn't mention. But th- the fact that they're both like now the oldest like warrior of their tribe of their group, mm-hmm. and they have to train the others and lead the others because the older people in the left or were killed or something. They both have that to them. So yeah. I re- I think that's a really neat parallel between those two characters. You know. One of the greatest joys of podcasting is the tangents that we end up on and the discoveries that we did not plan for along the way. Unfortunately, this one was just a little too irrelevant. So there's going to be a bit of a jump here, but I do value the conversation that continues afterwards. So very mm, smooth transition into fandom culture discussion. Whoosh. Like when you talk about doxing and like cyberbullying, people on Raylo Twitter have like, Oh, there was a massive wave of that that happened on Zutara Twitter too. Why do people, people have the energy like, for this? Just I don't like, know. What's doxing? Doxing when, when you get all of your personal information leaked online and people harass your like actual real life. That's sadistic. Yeah, it's incredibly malicious. Internet. Yeah. Go people outside, breathe some fresh air. <laughs> Touch grass. Um, we're in a pandemic. <laughs> Go outside. Do you want them to die? <laughs> Literally, like, anti-shippers of anything don't make any sense to me. Because I'm like, you're really going to spend your all of your energy to hate on a ship that is fictional. And, and not even no canon. Content. It's one thing if you're frustrated <laughs> by the canonical execution of something. But when it's not canon and you can just mind your business. Jumping in one last time to give a quick trigger warning on the next 50 seconds to minute of content. Sexual assault is referenced, so anyone sensitive to the subject, please skip if needed. 
Yeah, I'm I'm on Zutara Twitter. I I'm on Zutara say. Tumblr, and I have Tumblr a Zutara too. side blog yeah. where I have gotten rape threats on Anon on Anon. Oh my god, dude. Okay, this is like a hugely triggering thing. But there was a person on Raylo Tumblr, not Raylo, anti Raylo Tumblr, who actually said that they raped their friend because they were a Raylo and released this information on Tumblr, and it turned out to be true. Oh my god. Yeah. What? Like this is people not really need to go outside. this is not a, a joke. Like people are really fucking like like they hate to the point where they commit crimes and like are horrible people just because of a stupid fictional ship. Like it's yeah. disgusting. And then yeah, the well, funny the thing about like when that. there was the doxing <laughs> wave that happened powerful. on Zutara Twitter is that Zutara Twitter stopped being active for a little while and then ATLA Twitter is like, why is everything so dry? <laughs> Period. We are the heart of this fandom. <laughs> anyway. Literally, I so many people on Zutara Twitter, when they see people get mad, it's like, why are you mad? These are literal pixels. Like, grow up. It's a drawing. <laughs> These are pixels. You're mad about pixels. Come on. Like, I am a very much like a, I ship Raylo. I ship Zutara. I ship Dramini. I ship, like, like Dark Lena from the Shadow and Bone trilogy. Like, there's a lot that, like, I ship that people consider problematic, and then I get, like, rape and death threats for it. Like, why? Like, why do you have the energy to do that to me or, like, my friends? Like, so stupid. Anyways, continuing on with Sokka. Keep this in. Keep this in. Just keep it in. (laughs) And back from our commercial break. <laughs> Sponsored by Fandom Twitter. Um, I don't think I'm gonna keep this. Sponsored in. by Grass. Go touch some. <laughs> I don't know. I might keep it. I might not. I'm probably just gonna have like an entirely separate blooper reel because as it stands, like in the top episode, I think I'm gonna cut the part where Rachel's like 1920s Americana is ugly, but I'm gonna put that in like a blooper oh. reel. Sorry, <laughs> it was ugly the way they drew it. Okay. It no, it's ugly. Like that's no, a valid opinion, but it's not general. constructive. So I'm probably not going to include it in the main episode. But it will be well, said at some point. I think people will want to hear us. I think I think tangents make the podcast experience personally. That is true. Like tangents are valuable, but there's a point where I'm like, I want it to remain like like there's also a Katang tangent we went off in the top episode where I'm like, well, that's gonna be relevant in a different episode. Yeah. So are you gonna like edit? I think you should keep We'll get back to the same point, I'm sure. I think you but should keep us about fandom Twitter because I think it's a really interesting. I think we should we can talk about fandom Twitter in an episode because it's a really interesting space and it is yeah. very toxic. But it's also like, what is the most controversial ship in the Avatar? Kid? Zutara. 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 Okay, because well, the creators we were so it. opposed to it. Like, the executive yeah. Reich was so opposed to Zutara. And, and it then, is like, such a big ship that, like, any other ship that like is controversial in any way just doesn't have enough like traction underneath it for it to be such a well Tyzula used to be huge and that's just straight up abusive Tyzula Tyli and Azula guys the most interesting ships there is I have seen Aang and Azula I have seen Sokka I mean, the very worst ship, seen... just like morally, is Zeusest, where people. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Oh, I can't. Zeusest. <laughs> Zula and Zuko. Because they're both Zoo. Zeus- Why not? You know? Every... Why not? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not. I, I wasn't being serious. 
was making jokes about the fact that they always like like with supernatural they, they would do that <laughs> the wincess yeah. because there was no <laughs> there was no, there's other no other characters on the show also, also apparently in people are shipping in frozen anna and elsa why elsa's gay so she needs a lover i thought that's just because anna their people make anna and elsa porn i didn't think that was actually serious <laughs> I promise there are serious people for everything out there. That's probably. I don't hate it. I will not hate mm. on anybody's ship. Like, if you ship something and, like, you're genuinely, like, invested in it, like, go you. My like, that's is, your thing. People I just... ship things that they relate mm-hmm. to most of the time. If when you relate to... I don't, if you can judge. relate to an incest ship, go to therapy. <laughs> the, the thing is, like, one thing that I've learned is that for Supernatural, people would ship the brothers yeah, wincest. and girls would get like super upset when they would introduce a female love interest they would like hate her they would like did go you watch did but you watch that video, in real video life, like with one about... direction like larry shippers <laughs> and, and tore because, taylor swift and apart. because there was so much like such a vocal group of people about how much they hated this character this the the writers would literally keep writing the female love interest out of the show so it literally yeah. affected the show wait 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 did you watch that video about destiel and like yes. the history yes i did <laughs> yeah i know what video you're talking about yeah yeah i will say like with what was i gonna say now i don't remember it was something about shipping yeah blah, blah, blah. oh yanni your point about people who really like, relate to like what they ship i think a lot of my ships are just because the two characters that i'm shipping are sexy like, i'm gonna be cool. honest like, that's that's not irrelevant like, and like i, I, I will ship anyone i mostly just enjoy except them for... because i think they're funny except for zutara because they're children i want to point that out they're children i like their ship <laughs> well i will concede to the point that when i was eight i was definitely attracted mm-hmm. to both of them but i didn't yeah. know that i could like girls so i just projected it all onto zuko um <laughs> versus now i'm like well no i especially contrasted with how katang was executed like i feel like katara could have been herself and a full human being with zuko as opposed to like having to just play caretaker for the rest of her life with ang um but that's a different episode so Sokka's character relationship wait 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 before i just want to say real quick onto the point about like an episode talking about the fandom twitter we could just have like an episode in general about fandom culture absolutely i would love to have a stan culture episode because i have so many opinions k-pop too many experiences that are just negative i have a lot of positive experiences i've met a lot of my best friends on fandom twitter but i have a lot of negative experiences too absolutely Mm -hmm. uh we'll get there one day (laughs) Um, but yes, onward to Sokka's character relationships. Uh, which, what, which one do you think is the most valuable? Thank you, Zach, for understanding. <laughs> the most valuable? Katara? I mean, okay, I haven't thought about this, like, at all. That's, just... that was what I was thinking about, though. And like, well, I yeah, mean, like... I feel like Katara's gonna turn out to be the most valuable relationship for half the characters we're discussing, just because... Mm-hmm. She's the only person that's like emotionally invested in other people. Oops. <laughs> but I would also say Suki. For Suki was also Sokka. very valuable to Sokka. I thought you meant romantic relationship. No, I because like we in the Toph episode we said that Katara's relationship was the most valuable to Toph because of how they progressed from conflict to companionship. So character relationships, I mean, in like any capacity that they like have a significant interaction with another person. Okay. 
I could it's see just like... so funny how it will not be Aang. <laughs> Aang will not be the person. Which is like, how did you do that to your Sorry. protagonist? How did that work? <laughs> Period. What were you going to say, Rachel? Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say, like, I could see an argument for, like, Suki being one of the most significant just because, like, she did help him, like, grow like a lot during like the whole show like she would just like pop up and like Sokka would like learn something but like we also like they canonically like compared Katara to like Sokka's dead mom yeah and like that kind of foundation is hard to like compete with I definitely yeah. think Suki was the most because she was the one that was constantly breaking down his understanding of what women were by the very first episode where she's like yo, girls can fight too, stop being sexist. And he kind of grew even by the end of just that episode. And then um, the the Serpent's Past episode where she's the one who saves Toph. She's the one who is the quick thinking to just jump into the water and just do it. Um, and then in the Boiling Rock where they're trying to think of an escape plan. And so he's like, you know what? I'm going to jump on a bunch of people's heads and I'm going to just climb that shit and take out the general. She's the one who's constantly challenging his understanding of what women are capable of yeah. and allows for the most growth. The relationship. Oh, yes. Growth. Suki and Katara, um, I think, are generally agreed upon as the most valuable relationships for Sokka to be interacting with. Katara? I think Katara? what we haven't, we haven't <laughs> explored a lot is... Um, his relationship with Aang. We haven't talked about that a lot. And it's because it becomes kind of his least valuable moments in an unfortunate way where like yeah. he just does dumb shit for the sake of doing dumb shit when he's only yeah. with Aang. Like they 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 sent Katara a letter pretending Toph wrote it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like Aang is just like I just remembered that. I remember <laughs> like, you dumbass, she can't fucking write. <laughs> that was great. Like, they're stupid and they're just baffling. <laughs> Is there a moment where it's just Sokka and Aang and they're forced to interact with each other? There is for the day of Black Sun where, like, one. Sokka is, like, kind of still brooding over the fact that he didn't get the speech right and Aang comes up like it's okay what matters is what you do on the battlefield I guess that that's a I good like, interaction um but like Aang I feel like for um, a majority of their journey tries to be like in a way kind of like the superior one because although Aang is kind of lost with like directions and like oh, what do I need to do? I need to be like this all mystical knowing being, but I'm still just 12 and I have no idea what I'm doing. But he also has the whole airbending thing, which is such like a high thing, plus being the avatar. That he's always like, well, Sokka and I are kind of on the same level, but I'm like this all powerful being and let's not forget it. I yeah. don't know, I've always felt like- that. No, that's definitely what like, it feels like a lot of the time with how they execute never looked at Sokka like an equal or like someone that he relies on in that kind of sense. Like I think Aang can uh, acknowledge Sokka as someone that everyone needs to get through their goal of getting to, you know, Ozite, but not as an equal being to him. Unlike Katara, who is like master of water. You know what I mean? And even with that Katara, kind of there's thing. a separate issue of how Aang respects her. Um, yes. <laughs> okay. I feel like- I feel like all of 
Sokka's and Aang's interactions are kind of filtered through Katara. I can't think of any like character specific motivations or moments that like Sokka and Aang are directly interacting with each other or in conflict. Like most of the time it's just like Sokka wants to get a move on and Aang is kind of a child mm-hmm. and he is just annoyed with his childlike tendencies and that's about it. Mm-hmm. And it's usually just like him trying to get Katara to like handle the situation and, and get through to Aang. Which is like mm-hmm. I don't know doesn't... how people miss those caretaker signs but that's, it's like mother that's and father. literal babysitter behavior. And then Aang. <laughs> We are trying to get our precious one to the mountain. <laughs> it's a baby. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone said what I would what I was thinking too. Cause like even moments where it would make sense for Sokka and Aang to be talking, there is something that disrupts that like in the desert, Sokka's drunk, Aang's angry. It's when they're like having downtime in bossing, say it's like they don't talk angry. <laughs> I think it would have been interesting to explore maybe their dynamic more. They just didn't. And like yeah. it doesn't Which is like, how did you manage to do that? They spent 60, 60 episodes together, not counting Zuko alone when they just aren't there. I mean, I guess it makes sense because their characters weren't necessarily in conflict with each other, except so. for when Aang uh, hid the map of from like map of where their dad was. That yeah, was but one even, time. even then, they it's... were in conflict in the first episode. This like, is true. You can't trust Aang. He might be Fire right. Nation. Yeah, but even right. then, it was like them trying to tell. Even Katara though he's color coded. Sorry, what was that, Zach? <laughs> even then, it was them trying to get through to Katara. It wasn't them trying to get through to each other or, or say anything to each other. Yeah, right. The, like- the him stealing the message from their father, I think, is the closest to the two being in direct contrast. Because Sokka is very much like, I think, even more so than than Katara. Um, Definitely, up to his, the father. Kasaka is more well, attached to Hakoda than Katara is. Um, well, it also shows like the maturity level difference between the two because I feel like Sokka also knows that like he's trying to help and get you know solve this whole problem, and at the same time, if he knew all the information about his dad, it would be up to him to make the decision whether he would go see if he can find his dad or continue on with Aang but I feel like he would have made the mature decision had Aang not lied and not been how he was and I think that's a huge difference because Aang was like oh let me take this because you know I don't want them to leave me but at the same time it's their parents I don't know like that was felt like a maturity level difference it was the first time that they were truly in direct conflict with each other and I feel like Part of it feels gendered to me because Katara and Toph's conflicts carry through, but like so- Sokka and Aang's conflicts do not. And I'm wondering if it's like, like ah yes, men just like solve problems; they don't let things carry on. Or that's that's a lie. But anyway, that's a huge well, lie. I don't know. Aang's like, kind of like a vessel for a lot of things. Yeah, Sokka doesn't really like seem to like hang on to things like that. Though he does not hold grudges. Like and then if no tar- one's telling Aang he's doing something wrong, he's not going to acknowledge that he's done anything wrong. Yeah, so there's like there's, there's not going to be a fight. 
is what about the episode where they go to the northern air temple and Aang is like this is sacrilege essentially y'all this is a sacred place you shouldn't be doing this and then Sokka has his storyline where he's helping the inventor guy make inventions yeah, he's those not like, listening to Aang at all throughout that like it's yeah, Katara like the one who's trying to console him into accepting the state of the temple yeah, I was gonna say those are in direct contrast with each other and yet they don't really seem to like talk it's not even like it's Aang yelling at the inventor guy and everyone else but not Sokka even though Sokka is like also down with the invention stuff yeah the other point of luck that they have is like when they're just trying to decide what Aang is going to do to Ozai and like do to deal with Ozai but like that's kind of Aang against everyone else and like even though Sokka is like the one pushing for him killing Ozai the most it it really comes down to like Aang feels alone compared to everybody else because he's the only which one like there was no Aang. reason to have Aang be alone in where he was standing in that argument but that's for the Aang episode. There's a lot with Aang. I'm like, hmm. but yeah, it's I guess because Sokka's character is not the type to hold grudges that way that he doesn't end up with those conflicts with Aang in particular because again if either Aang doesn't feel like he's done something wrong or no one is telling Aang that he's done something wrong. He's not going to acknowledge that he's potentially done something wrong. Well, it's also like Sokka is like such a realist. Like he's looking at what's in front of him. Like, yeah, the temple's this, but you see the civilization that's trying to like live and thrive off of this wonderful thing. Yeah. Or off this tragic thing that's happened here and making it something that they can, you know, sustain off of. Like Aang, wake up. Like you don't understand, obviously, the risk of everything that's happening just because you have all this wonderful power like i need you to wake up but that would have been a really beautiful point of conflict for them to explore because Sokka growing up in this world and like trying to survive in the south pole can completely understand why this you know band of refugees inhabited this uninhabited place as somewhere to be comparatively way more safe than you would be pretty much anywhere else in the earth kingdom um so for like of Sokka to be like well life has continued on this is a really valuable like like it's not valuable in the way that you remember but it is still a valuable thing that exists versus like there's also an issue of that episode of the fact that it it's talking about how industrialization and technology are more valuable than any kind of sacred locale which is not I think the episode that should not be the message that it concludes with but I <sighs> It would have been a very valuable point of conflict is my main but also like question who does Sokka get like shipped with shipped with ua suki zuko as of late which is a different conversation i don't want to start off with that one i'd prefer to start with his canonical and positively viewed relationships Please before i get into my zuko grapes so just because of that one interaction within the in the hot air balloon where they're well, in the we'll get rock. on we'll get there when we get there but first <laughs> suki and yue <laughs> for i guess something that kind of irks me about the way sokka's canon relationships are executed is that like he is he send he tends to have a lot of this like love at first sight type of interaction with his love interests whereas like he just kind of falls into really liking suki he literally like love at first sight with yue so I'm, and it, that to doesn't fair, seem very appropriate for his character. Um, but like, Jet did something. Haru did something. Like, there's, I can understand why Katara is like, that's attractive versus like, Yue and Suki kind of just sat there. Um, 
<laughs> I think that was one thing that I that I was annoyed with as far as first impressions go when I was watching. There, there is like a trope of like the guy who like falls for any girl he sees that 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 kind of bothers me. It's done in Voltron, and that also, and that's so that's what I was reminded of. Allurance annoyed me. Is a different conversation. <laughs> yeah, also because it's something that I've never identified with of just like, like just having a random love interest and just immediately pursuing it. I'm like, I want to like actually know this person. Um, and I don't like the trope of just like inserting ro romance for the sake of inserting romance. Um, I do, on the other hand, still, I like, I get that love at first sight to me is a real thing. And I, and I still felt those like butterflies with you, Sokka seeing UA. Um, yeah. I do like both of his canon relationships. Better. Like I, I would have valued the, the interaction more if it was executed. Like if anybody else has seen the Rodgers and Hammerstein's ver version of Cinderella with Brandy and Whitney Houston, um, like they run into each other in the village first, and then like they, like they don't really know exactly who the other person is, but they just kind of click, and then in later interactions where they continue to, cl to click again, but it's Cinderella, so there's all of that. But like if they actually interacted the first time they quote-unquote met as opposed to Sokka seeing Yue in a boat and being like, she's pretty. I love her. Yeah. As far as, like, if, like, the context of the meeting is something different and they just happen to click, I, like, I, I agree. I, I tend to prefer that trope as opposed to the first thought upon seeing them is, ah, love interest. I'm already going to pursue that. Yeah. And I, they did that better with Suki. That is definitely admittable, where it's like, I guess yeah. they met and were in conflict with each other. Yeah, because, like, Suki was, like, obviously not interested. Right. <laughs> like, she's, like, she said no before, like, anything. This is true. <laughs> like, no in general. Not even, like, humoring the thought of a romantic interaction. It was just, No. <laughs> But at least, I'll, I will say at least, even though they just sort of fell in love immediately, at least their romance after that wasn't just, like, completely flat. Yeah. Like, she was engaged to be married to someone else, and the guy she was in engaged to was an asshole. And she, like, expressed, I don't, I don't like him as much as I like you. Um, and she's doing this because it was <laughs> what her father decided was best which right. like it also some of her dad's actions don't read like she's he's interested in having Han marry Yue like like why wouldn't you ask Han to guard Yue as opposed to Sokka like he's I don't know it's just not not really adding up for me it would make sense if there was a separate authority if like there wasn't necessarily a northern water tribe chief but like a panel of leaders and they're like these two the, uh, this guy needs to marry your daughter and he's like okay but he's a dick and they're like i don't care <laughs> yeah also once again just the it's a serialized tv show i think it's just the fact that it's like in two episodes that the two meet fall in love and that she dies that it happens so quickly that it just doesn't always feel earned yeah and really does, that's just the nature of like an episodic TV show made for kids. Yeah. Although my thing is, I remember being really annoyed by UA's like wishy-washiness as a kid because I was sitting there like, why are we paying so much attention to this? I don't care. 
<laughs> like because they did not invest the proper time into them being romantically involved i was annoyed by time being dedicated to it yeah i can't remember her having much character frankly all i remember was she just thought that Sokka was a goofball but she liked it and and that was kind of it oh well she kind of occasionally would say i have like a duty to my people yeah and that's like you ate deserved more time to be her own person as opposed to like the princess right. of the northern water tribe right right and she's very selfless in sacrificing herself but that's like the end of the relationship as opposed to like a blossoming one he's already yeah. in love with her at that point so it's not really a motivator and also like i watched a, a trope video about like the fridged wife and how like there's a trend in comic books in particular but it happens throughout media where women or no just mainly women are killed for the motivation of a male counterpart right and i was wondering like was ua fridged but she really wasn't because one she like voluntarily sacrificed herself um i feel like even though it would have been more interesting to explore more of her as an independent person she was given enough of a character to where she is not just a external plot device for another character and she had her own motivations in that sacrifice too yes. like it wasn't be for Sokka it wasn't to motivate Sokka and like they, they didn't kill her off to motivate Sokka she did it because she's the only one who could save the world in that moment yeah I also wonder like does that make lunar eclipses a regular occurrence or is it like were there lunar eclipses before Zhao yeeted the moon that's a good the moon question. spirit always avoids having a lunar eclipse. <laughs> She's like, no, <laughs> no, I don't like it. Today. <laughs> yeah. Also, I love the theory that she was supposed to be the avatar. Yeah. That's awesome. I think I wasn't going to say I agree on your, your not a really a point. Like I had the same kind of opinion of like UA and Sokka's relationship when I was a kid. Where I was just like, I'm just kind of annoyed by this. And as a kid who like gets just me in general, not even as a kid, like even now, like I get very attached to like romantic elements of stories. Um, and like, I really like the romantic elements of stories, even in like action movies or whatever. Um, and as a kid, their relationship and annoyed me like not because of them just because i was like i don't know if, eh. like i have no idea where this is going yeah and i was just it wasn't interesting for me it's still not really interesting for me like yeah Sokka carries that for the rest of his life and there there is some like trauma and burden that comes with having like one of your first romantic interests die but but I guess, like, in line with Sokka, I think that was an important arc, point in his arc because, like, as we talked about him being the protector, like, this was an instance where, like, it wasn't, there wasn't anything he could do to protect her, and it was her choice. Like, you have to stand back, even if you want to protect, sometimes you have to stop and let just people do what they People do. will make their own choices, and you have to yeah. reconcile that. Yeah that's such a good point i wasn't thinking about it in that lens but that's such a good point that like mm -hmm. this is definitely like a stepping point for him in his protector arc a huge one a major wow damn i guess we've talked enough about his relationship with suki though like she because it's one that like continued throughout his progression overall versus like ua is very much a pocket in his existence which is sad 
That's rough, buddy. <laughs> rough, buddy. That's <laughs> Speaking of our socially inept king, or prince, I suppose. Um, so Zuka has gained a lot of popularity as of late. <laughs> and I was excited about it at first. I was I was here like, hell yeah, sword gaze, you know, I support the gay agenda in whatever, you know, format it manifests. I was, I was in fact very happy to hear about Zuka despite being a diehard Zutara all of my life. Because I would, I, I multi-ship low key. Like I can enjoy any ship that doesn't have distasteful canonical undertones in my opinion, um, i.e. Taizula. Uh, but then they started being misogynistic. <laughs> Because the, the Zuka Zuka shippers. Fans. Oh, of course, you know. Yeah, the because it was it was all fun and games until they started. Came out of. They they decided Katara was homophobic. Yeah, was like they. Hold on, where did we get that? <laughs> where where did we get here? Where did they decide they use, this? Like, okay. Is this like Twitter? They, they, it's on Tumblr. It's on Twitter. I've seen it. I've seen it. Like People, as like, Zuka accounts like, started popping up, they were like, you know what? Katara's homophobic. Yeah. They use it. I, they've used like lines in the show where like Katara makes fun of of Sokka for like, something. Like she pokes but fun it's all at things. his. It's okay. So he's poke, she's poking fun at his masculinity because that is something that yeah. he is very invested in. That is something exactly. that he makes a point of addressing towards other people. Like don't don't respond to Twinkle Toes. It's not manly. Like he, that's something so- yeah. Sokka is invested in. And as his little sister, she is aware of that and pokes fun at it because she's his little sister. But yeah, she's not making Katara fun has... of him for like liking something for like being himself. She's making fun of something that like he would that would just annoy him because it's something he's had misogynistic views of. But everyone took it to be ah, Katara's homophobic now, and I'm like, there's no evidence in canon for this. None at all. And it's because specifically because uh, <laughs> Sokka says some angry jerk with a ponytail that's chased us all over the world, and Katara goes, "What's wrong with ponytails, ponytail?" he's like it's a warrior's wolf tail well it sure tells the other warriors that you're fun and perky that's hilarious but anyway then that on top of don't talk about being manly you're the one whose bag matches his belt like when katara says things like that and now she's homophobic they use it as a way to in validate zutara to just hate on katara in general because Hating on Katara means that it was the hot new thing to do with yeah, this fandom resurgence. Because yeah, if you hate on Katara, like of course like Zuko shouldn't be with Katara because uh Katara's awful. And so who should Zuko be with? Let's pick somebody else. That's yeah, Katara's like my to. one of my favorite characters and it's, it's weird to see everyone incredible. just deciding that they hate her and trying to find every reason to hate her. That on top of the double standard of like, they would they were calling they were straight up calling Sokka a fifteen year old boy in canon a backbender a pussy bender because he could get any girl that he wanted but somehow Katara a fourteen year old girl was for the streets because she had Haru Jet Ang and Zuko. I thought those were funny though because <laughs> he would he would get real constantly and I think those jokes are funny. <laughs> 
like, like it was funny for a moment but then i saw the dichotomy of how they were treating Sokka versus how they were treating katara and then i got mad about it and i couldn't enjoy it anymore like like that's funny the jokes themselves are were funny right it but to your point the way that they went about put it pitting katara and zuko again or not zuko Sokka against each other in that regard it's just doesn't sit right with me. but that's None like for me like the way that i dismiss that is like these are the fans these are the same people on the internet that like do not go outside and do not breathe fresh air so like <laughs> i don't validate their opinions at all <laughs> if you're not breathing like organic oxygen don't talk to me <laughs> it's always minor Free range. like below the age of 16 and neck beard incels yeah. It's always it's just, those two groups. It's like it's like it sounds like young teenagers who haven't dealt with their internalized misogyny. I saw somebody who was like 25 on Twitter calling somebody homophobic because they shipped Zuko with a girl, and they were saying, "You ship Zuko, a gay man, with a girl." I'm like, "That's your head canon," and bi people exist. I don't know that, and like Zuko is canonically heterosexual like they only address his relationships and romantic interests with women i <laughs> they want him to have like severe daddy issues and like he does you don't need to give him more he doesn't need to be gay on top of the daddy issues like i know a lot of people with daddy issues are gay as someone with daddy issues but like i just <sighs> <laughs> And bi people exist. Right, and like, I'm gonna bring this up in the Katara episode, but like Zutara is not the straight ship for straight people. It's the bisexual ship for bisexual uh -oh. people. <laughs> it's not not just bi people, like pan people. Basically. Like the bi pan poly so like many, umbrella. Right. There's just there's so many other sexualities that people fall under. Don't erase them. Please. please and thank like, you as a bi person please don't as a pansexual who thinks they're real <laughs> i might not be who knows uh you're just a figment of our collective imagination uh, yeah i'm just you know gonna coalesce in the meantime i i do agree i i like the idea of of zuka um i do like the ship but the fans the, shippers the fandom are of it bad. has like so now i just have a negative association with it because of how the shippers and i understand that a lot of people acting. have a similar issue with zutara because zutara shippers were apparently just as rabid back in the day but like it's been 12 years <laughs> anytime anytime i hear about like zutara's like past antics like the the fandom it just makes me laugh it's just it's so funny because like, i okay. i want to know like what in particular um like zutara's did that like made people so mad and, like the, the creators in particular like the creators felt the need to make their own spam video in response to zutara shippers i think because like it's edgy and they just like, I don't know. <laughs> I think I think just because it's it's ed the edgy thing to do, and they're just I don't know. I guess because it's, it's like just... the second largest sect of shipping in the fandom, if not the largest. So, like, if you like, you it's treated as though you have to love it or hate it when you could just like 
do neither. <laughs> Back to Sokka. <laughs> right. Um, Zuka. Break. <laughs> like, I yes, mean... but like Zuka popularity also flared up entirely because of the Boiling Rock, you know, the episode where it is kind of highlighted pointedly how they do not have like the social capacity to interact effectively with each other. So if Zuko is a theater kid, oh. <laughs> what does that make Sokka? Yeah. Uh, an a engineering techie. major. <laughs> but he's also, but he's also a, a jock, kinda. Yeah. Debate, uh... debate, kid. Daka, Wait, no. Okay, so something. there's like the graph, right, where it goes like. No, Katara is a debate kid. Okay, you want to oh, yeah, talk about sense. it? <laughs> yeah, she is. Oh, no. So there's like the chart, right? It's like goth prep, jock nerd, right? Sokka is like sure. right in the middle between Jock and Nerd. I feel like he's a little mm -hmm. more nerd than Jock. I feel like he's like the water boy on the football team. Like he's there at all the practices, but or the mascot. The mascot. The mascot. He's giving me real. I think he's really vibes. good at like one thing. Like he's the kicker of the football team. Like he just goes on to kick the. the football or, or like soccer, he only does penalty kicks and then he's benched otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> like he's really Not good at one thing. Kicks. He wants to do more, but then he doesn't. Like, and that's just because he, his dad used to be a big sports player or something. And Hakata is still proud of him regardless of how good he is at sports. But he has this, he has this mentality of like, I gotta be like my dad. <laughs> gotta be as good as him. But then like he's, he does really well in his science classes. He would try out, he would audition for the music, like for the spring musical and like for the first time and get the lead role and the make guy everyone who does it Zuko year. would be so angry. High school musical. Uh -uh. <laughs> the guy who goes senior year and, and it's like, oh yeah, I guess um, I could say, oh, let's do it. And then they get the lead and everyone's Zuko like, where were you? Shit. <laughs> Someone written an avatar alternate universe where they're all just like theater kids because now i kind of i have an idea i want to write like a, an avatar community college au i have an idea specifically where the high school does catch me if you can and <laughs> have do you guys know that musical do you know the movie nah. uh-huh anyway so it's the movie first is with tom hanks and leonardo dicaprio and then it was adapted into a musical but it's it's about a real life thing where this like teenage boy was like committing was like <laughs> committing crimes stealing money uh, multiple like, crimes and, yeah multiple crimes and he was on the run from this like one detective specifically who finds him eventually so that's very much avatar <laughs> so i was thinking that's Aang, and Zuko is the detective looking for him the whole time. And there's even a line in the musical where it's like, he's just a kid from the, from the detective guy. And I'm like, that's when Zuko first meets him. He's just a kid. So yeah, well, you're I have just a, a teenager. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> I have a whole thing plotted out for how their high school would do it. Azula then, is, the, is the student director. <laughs> yes, oh my god. <laughs> because... <laughs> She's and like, she's only there to piss Zuko off. She doesn't care about yeah, Peter. Yeah, and tell him what to do. Exactly. <laughs> but then Sokka I... gets cast as the detective instead, and no, Zuko no, that, that was Sokka does lights. Sokka's on lighting. <laughs> no, Monster. I had. So oh, that's true. But I, I was originally putting like all most of them in the cast for something. <laughs> I had like a whole cast mapped out. Yeah. It was Kylie was the featured dancer because there's a lot of girl like dance parts and she was the featured dancer, the lead. 
I just need to see Zuko take theater like too seriously. Like I just need that. Like <laughs> honestly, that's what I would have loved from the Ember Island players. Like he's he can't even be absorbed in how bad they're telling the story just because he hates the production in general. <laughs> <laughs> Where they get this actor? God. <laughs> uh, Zuko theater kid. The only agenda I'm here for. Um, before. We've gone a little ways over time, but I did want to ask about, um, like, which character relationship would you have liked to see more of from Sokka? We went a little bit into how, like, UA could have been allowed more personhood. Sokka Um, and Aang. And Aang, yes. Again, baffling how they spent the entire series together and don't really, like, have a relationship to speak of. I would say Sokka and Toph. I think that would have been an interesting one to like observe or just have like more um, interaction moments because I feel like the episode when Sokka goes to like master a sword, mastering that episode, Toph's like, "Hmm, I do actually kind of miss him. And it's like, well, we don't really have too much to go on that would make me believe that. I didn't really care. (laughs) Toph being a Sunday is so annoying. I love it. I'm so here for it. But I'm like, I want to see Toph and Sokka have like an adventure, like more moments together. Because Toph doesn't really like anyone. Like, I mean, she likes people. No. It's like not you're not a Sundere <laughs> if you just genuinely think everyone's annoying. <laughs> but like, she does like Sokka, and so it would be like really cool to see. Like, I, I totally agree. Them interact. Like, what about Sokka? Like, is it the voice? It's like the, his vibes. Like, what is it that she finds so interesting about him? That would yeah. be very fun. Because Toph in particular explore. is only drawn in by like the content of someone's character. Especially because she can tell when people are lying. So, mm-hmm. and it's also, I feel like that kind of got stunted because it was established that Toph had some degree of a crush on Sokka. And it's like something that she was aware of in a way. Like, I feel like it could have been more interesting if it was like when you have your first crush on someone and you don't really know what those feelings are. <laughs> so she was just like, like she's just way more interested in Sokka than she is in anyone else and like eventually someone points it out and she's like what the fuck no (laughs) (laughs) yeah are we are there any more little Sokka are there any more Sokka relationships that deserved more exploration honestly Kaya their mom (laughs) because they like him a lot of people get on Katara about going you didn't love her the way I did in the Southern Raiders but it's worth considering that that's just true because straight up six episodes before he said I I don't really remember our mom's face because all I see is Katara when I try to think about who's been taking care of me like there is some degree of truth to that line and she overheard that regardless of whether he knows or not so it's not as though there wasn't room for that criticism but it like, it's not as though Qatar is right to say that to him. Like, that is not what I'm trying to communicate. But it's not untrue. <laughs> I agree. Well, in that line right there, it kind of makes me wonder if Sokka's really older than Katara, how come he never had that interaction with his mom to remember? And I think that has to do with, like, the unexplored gender dynamics of the Southern Water Tribe and why Katara is so attached to Kaya versus Sokka is so attached to Hakoda. I think that's an interesting thing too because a lot of times like like the whole stereotype is like mama's boy and daddy's girl and like like 
Right. No, that's definitely how the fire family is like. Ooh. Uh, and they. Mm-hmm. I can't get over that meme that's like, if you have daddy issues, you become a people pleaser. But if you have mommy issues, you become a sociopath. And then it's just Zuko and Azula. <laughs> but the thing is, Azula has both, and that's why she's a sociopath. <laughs> Carolina, where did you go? My laptop's about to die, so I'm running to the charger. Okay, because your screen like just turned into a black splotch, and I was like, oh, she's been eaten. <laughs> yeah, I like how the Fire Nation seems to prioritize and value physical prowess and like your abilities as a firebender. Like it's a merit-based um, society as opposed to being yeah. so gendered. Whereas the Southern Water Tribe, I would imagine, has at least some similarities to the Northern Water Tribe where it's very gendered and like women can only exclusively be healers and men are only the, the only ones allowed to fight. I'd imagine to a certain extent before all the waterbenders from the Southern Tribe were taken, that could also have existed there. But I hesitate to say that just because the Southern Water Tribe, even prior to the raids, didn't look structured the way that the Northern Water Tribe was. And then retroactively, there's also to consider that there are multiple Southern and Northern Water Tribes in different parts of those locales, um, but we only focus on the individual one, or like in the case of the Northern Water Tribe, most central. Um, What did Katara do as her day-to-day prior to Aang? She washed Sokka's clothes. She would do like the caretaking of the house. (laughs) Like she would cook, she would clean, she would probably be doing like, you know, assembling and mending clothes, uh, handling animal hides and refining those for use, uh, or even like gutting fish and getting those ready. Like, I like the survival oriented things of being in the Southern Water Tribe, like trying to survive a winter in the Arctic. Like, there's a lot that goes into that and could very just reasonably be drawn directly from the Inuit and Inupiat cultures that the Southern, the water tribes are supposedly based on. But yeah, like there's the logistics of surviving in this environment without waterbenders is incredibly difficult. (laughs) And like, I think, you know, Sokka doing things like hunting and, you know, being focused on, the somewhat trivial task of trying to train these other young boys to be prepared to fight as well. It's not invaluable, but I don't think it compares to like the weight of what Katara was trying to bear in keeping their lives going. And I'll never be over the point of like, I wash all the clothes. Why? He has hands. That's particularly what she was mad about. She's like, you go all this swing around your sword, <laughs> but I'm washing all your clothes. Do you know now how bad your so clothes smell? Sure. <laughs> and the fact that she is like upset about washing all the clothes leads me to believe that that's not like a standard thing. Like that's not what is being dealt with or what was being dealt with by the women prior to the men leaving. Right. I hesitate to say that the gender norms in the Southern Water Tribe are... Like, compared to the North in any way. Right. Because, like, when we look at um, the Puppet Master episode 2, like, the flashbacks to when the waterbenders were taken away, the women are there fighting, too. Like, the female waterbenders are also fighting the Fire Nation. Kama was the last one standing. Right. 
So I don't think that it's the same for the Southern Water Tribe. We also don't know a lot about the Southern Water Tribe prior to that. Like we have very limited knowledge, but I I honestly don't think that their gender gender dynamics are anything close to what the Northern Water Tribe. And that's why, uh, what is it? Kana stayed in the Southern Water Tribe. Like she ran from the North, somehow made her way halfway across the world and settled down in the Southern Water Tribe. Which I want a spinoff series about Kana. How did she get there? Yeah, that was the big thing that like she just she was in the first like two episodes and we just never saw her again. And they don't even really mention. And her apparently much. she married Paku anyway, which is I'll talk about it more in the Katara episode, but that's bullshit. Um, like what I want to know what happened when they got reunited. Like I I'm still so she should have handed him his ass on a silver platter because not only was I arranged to marry you and I didn't want to so much that I went halfway across the world, but you, our sister tribe, just allowed us to suffer through some of the worst things that they shouldn't have gotten married in my professional opinion, even though no one- I bet she did. Like in the world of Avatar, I bet she did hand his ass to him. And like, maybe it took months of him like groveling and like trying to show her, her that he was not- I don't know. But I think it should have taken years because it took him decades to get his ass down there. Right. (laughs) It took him decades to, like, not be a misogynist and follow all of these norms that his culture has taught him, which, like, is understandable, but... The floor, again, as we said in the Suki episode. (laughs) Being misogynistic just because it's what you were taught is still the floor. (laughs) Yeah. The bar is so low. The bar is so low, especially so during low. COVID. Okay. All I'm gonna say. I think, Period. I think that's all for this episode. And that is the end of our show. I really appreciate you listening and I hope you enjoyed it. Remember to take what resonates and leave what doesn't. Next time, we'll be taking a detour from character discussion to delve into the intricacies of the world building of Avatar and touching just a bit on how far off the mark the forbidden film was. I hope to see you there.